It's day one of the Sourcing at Magic trade show in Las Vegas, and everyone's setting up their booths. Brands are pinning up their banners, tossing around plastic chairs, dragging out mannequins, and displaying colorful racks of clothing samples and other apparel-related products. I came here with Holly Gibson, industry expert, direct source partner, and coincidentally, my own mother, and we're looking to talk with buyers and producers about what they think sustainability means. Around midday, we were visited by reporter John Jones, and I'm going to let his interview of Holly stand in for my own summary of the company. Tell me a little bit, just tell me in general about the company, and then we can jump into like your sustainability mission and, and all that. So we're direct to source, and we are a custom apparel manufacturing company. 95% um, of what we do is completely custom full package apparel. Uh, we also have a small green label blanks collection in stock where brands can come much smaller minimum receive their branding and custom decoration on it um, we have offices in Colorado our factories in Guatemala my partners there she's in the factory every day and we're a smaller factory we're a hundred people but we felt like it was really important to focus on sustainability. I know, I know I'm kind of jumping into that, but that was kind of the birth of the company. I've been in this business for 33 years now, and I've manufactured all over the world, and I got interested in sustainability about 15 years ago. I just thought if we can do better, shouldn't we? And having been on the problem side for the first part of my career, I decided I was going to spend the last 15 years and the rest of it being part of the solution. That's awesome. That's great. And my partner feels very much like me. And she said, you know, we have to really look at this holistically. Right. It's not just what is the fabric made from. It's not just, um, you know, is the dye water being recycled properly and treated properly. It's the people who actually make our clothing, right? Because they're all handmade. What happens to them when they go home at night? Can they feed their kids? You know, do they do they know where they're going to work tomorrow? And so we decided to do that. We decided to build a place that we could put into practice, just being good stewards of the planet, honoring the people who actually sit down and make all of our clothing every day, and just doing the right thing so we could, you know, smile at our kids and sleep well at night. Exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. And that, that says a lot right there. And I would think, I mean, you started 100 people. It seems like that would be scalable, ultimately, like if you can get all that down, right? It is. We actually started much smaller than that. We started with 30 people, which is tiny, but we just had a couple customers and it was actually some people we had known for a while that we've been helping them place production. And one too many times you place something in a certified factory and you go inspect and they've subcontracted it out and now it's being made, you know, in a death trap. And we're like, all right, enough is enough. Yeah. And so we said to those customers, we said, hey, here's what we want to do. And will you be our guinea pigs? And they were like, sure because we'd built that trust. So we hired a few people, rented this little space, and just tested out some theories on how can we do this better? How can we be more flexible? You know, the world is different today. We don't, most brands don't go make 200,000 of the same shirt now, right? And so how do you respond to that as a manufacturing facility with the quality, with the turnaround that these brands need? And we had some cool ideas about what we wanted to do, and, and how do you, 
you know, I, I've been around long enough. We didn't have outlet malls when yeah, I started exactly. in this business, right? right? <laughs> yeah. And so how do we kind of get out of that vicious cycle where the brands have all this dead stock that, oh, that color didn't sell or that style was a fitness or something like that. And so we were pioneering some of those ideas with our customers. And we finally got to the point where we are like, all right, I think we got this systematically. It's working great. And it was really cool. We went to our landlord and we were like, hey, we're not going to renew our lease because it was an office building. Right. <laughs> we need a real factory. And, and right. our landlord said, wait, we don't want you to leave. We love what you're doing in the community. Most of our people walk to work. And he said, I happen to own the land right next door. How about I build you a building? And we're like, uh, okay. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I know. So we went and talked to Rap, and we were like, hey, you know, we're going to build a facility. Would you please tell us, you know, really what you look for in terms of specifications? What do we need to be aware of as we're putting this building up? They were fantastic and really worked with us. And so we built this brand new factory, and we finished it right before COVID. Amazing. That's <laughs> but amazing. it's been fantastic. And we overbuilt it, so we actually have room to grow. So now we're 100 people, and we, we actually could triple in size without being too big for our space. I love it. And uh, we're just having a good time. That's good. That's great. The rest of our day, we talked with customers producing a variety of products. First up is the CEO of Chicken Legs, a running apparel company focusing on fun prints. Hey, my name is Bryce McConville, and I'm the CEO of Chicken Legs. We make fun running apparel. And, and yeah, we've, uh, we've been in business for four years now. Awesome. So saw some of your samples. You've got one with the Doge coin licking things on it and some yeah. uh, cartoon sharks eating surfboards. Yeah, all of our prints are, are wild and they're, they're definitely out there. We try to get things that people are going to see when they're, when they're running somewhere and they're going to immediately laugh or, or tell someone that they love their shorts. Awesome. What are you trying to do now to transfer towards sustainability and what are your future goals with that? So really as a business, uh, I mean, myself, I'm, I'm just focused on being more sustainable as an individual with my family. Um, I've been vegetarian for a couple of years. I'm, you know, we're recycling more and more, you know, the usual things that everyone's doing. And really it's, as the company has been growing more and more, it's becoming more a part of my life and my family's life. We wanna make sure that we're doing something that's gonna positively impact the world or at least not negatively impact the world uh, as, you know, as best as we can. And I, I think really the turning point was we were ordering more and more products, the business was blowing up, and one day I just looked at our warehouse and all I could see was like thousands of plastic poly bags. And it just hit me, I was like, why don't we try to get recycled ones? It was just little steps like this of what can we do to, to make our business more sustainable, but still have a product that's high quality and that's affordable for all runners. Sure, so I, I guess a big thing you've been looking at is these plastic poly bags, right? And have you looked into any other sorts of packaging that you could potentially use in the future? I've done a lot of research on like the first stage of it, which is how do we ship our products? Because that's an easy one to alter. Uh, it's something we replenish very often. So we've done a lot of research on paper bags versus recycled paper versus plastic versus recycled plastic. And recycled plastic polymailers actually have the lowest carbon footprint of any of those. And sure, there's the education piece of 
people need to be recycling them to get the full benefit. But, you know, when we took a lot of the research that we were doing and, and saw that the process to create recycled paper bags or non-recycled paper bags has a huge carbon footprint and it's it's very difficult even though the recycling part of it is a little bit easier. And and then, you know, you take it from the other side of shipping it. Poly bags are lighter, so it's easier to ship. It's it's cheaper for the consumer and it has a lower carbon footprint and there's a lot of things that we're doing of just weighing all the pros and cons of each thing to come to the best conclusion, but obviously it's it's a it's a discussion that we're just constantly having and there's no correct answer. We're just trying to do it the best we can. Part of that recycled poly bags, if they're going to be effective, is really getting the customer to learn that they need to go take the bag off and go stick it in the recycling as opposed to just tearing it off Yeah. And put it in the dumpster. Yeah, exactly. And, and we did find a recycled poly bag that has writing on the back that says 70% plus recycled plastic. You can deposit it at this location, yada, yada. So I think that's a big part of it is having that visible and you know maybe someone doesn't do that the first few times they see it but over time people start seeing this messaging and they they say oh, okay i'm gonna start having a bag full of these film plastics that i bring once a week to the grocery store because you know it's 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 easy once you get in a, a rhythm of doing it do you know what that brand is called the name of the poly bags is called smile mail I want to say the name of the company is like U, U Pack and Ship. Okay. Yeah, and they've been great. Very cool. So what, do you have any like questions about sustainability or like things you might want answered in the future about it or new horizons, where it's going? I thought the, the thing you guys mentioned earlier about ocean plastics was very eye-opening and that that's, that's part of like the information that I think people need to hear more is the things that they hear that are trending and that are exciting it's like okay what's actually going on behind the scenes and what can we actually do to make the biggest impact next we talked to a brand just entering the apparel industry a couple making comfortable antimicrobial layers to wear beneath scrubs hence our name scrundies so underwear for for your scrubs i think what's our what's our catch line what's under your wear Yes. So that, that's Vanessa's uh, that's cute. doing. So yeah, so like I said, I'm a pediatric dentist and she's a, a dental assistant at another pediatric office. We wear scrubs a lot and a lot of times you just want to find something comfortable to wear underneath your scrubs rather than just the regular t-shirt or underwear. So we've been kind of going back and forth and obviously Nike and Under Armour, they make, you know, their, their long underwear, but it's just, we wanted something a little more heavier than that something antimicrobial since we do work in the dental field there's germs around so we we started just googling what's antibacterial fabric and bamboo always popped up so we figured why not try to create something like that out of this bamboo material did you look at any of the antimicrobial additives or did you select bamboo because it's naturally antimicrobial full disclosure so we ordered a, a bamboo sheet set and on their website, they kind of talked about their antimicrobial property. So we just kind of took that and ran, and we figured like all bamboo material kind of had the same property. So we didn't, not a lot of research ourselves other than that. So we kind of took a shortcut on that. But we liked what we read, and so we figured, you know, we'd run with that. 
Very cool. So, well, I'm yeah. a huge fan of the natural antimicrobial because even though you know our chemicals are getting better, mm -hmm. but like the old one when we first started antimicrobial additives, it was all silver based and it would leach into your yes. skin. Like that's yeah. kind of scary, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We we did yeah we did uh, see the silver based antimicrobial things. We we read about that as well. So we were definitely staying away from that. Yeah. Yeah. What other aspects have you been thinking about in terms of sustainability for your brand, or is this something that's kind of new to you? <laughs> well, obviously, prolonging the planet is is one of our our main goals and sustainability. Like, I'm a vegan and she's pescatarian, so obviously, like when it comes to like global warming and all the things that are involved, like destruction of the rainforest, um, factory farming, animal agriculture, definitely things that we're we're definitely keep considering, especially as a vegan. And we figured bamboo, it's 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 quick and easy to grow and it's really sustainable. This underwear is something that everybody needs. It's not like we're we're just making like, you know, the next jean company or the next, you know, t shirt company. So this is definitely something that people will use every day and not just throw out after one use. So that's kinda like what we're looking for uh, as well. So it's definitely something I would use every day. So, well, right now we're just focusing on a women's line, and after that we're gonna we're gonna do a men's line because it's I def I, I definitely want to wear this under my scrubs. I actually can see a lot of people wanting to wear this, not yeah. just in your industry, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I want this under my ski gear. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, and and she was like, yeah, we gotta we gotta branch out, we gotta branch out, and yeah. uh, you know, I told her we gotta start small and then just expand. Absolutely right. Yeah. Do you know? The story of Ralph Lauren is one of my favorites, right? Mm -hmm. Ralph Lauren, that we know makes everything from men's, women's, kids, mm -hmm. dishes, sheets, yeah. shoes. Mm -hmm. You know, he started out just making ties. Oh, wow. That's all he did? Yeah, a yeah. line of men's ties. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right? Wow. So he really focused on his niche and really right. made a name for himself and then expanded his empire. So. Yeah, yeah. Yes. We're big fans of Sarah Blakely. So we kind of, like, <laughs> I guess, kind of went off what she did, uh -huh. how she started small out of her out of her uh, apartment, like, and then now she's this billionaire you know so I mean that's if we can pattern our, our our company and our brand after her that'll be awesome but she's our inspiration definitely our inspiration nice. so yeah nice. do you guys have any difficulties with sustainability like finding the information out sourcing the materials anything like that like what's your most difficult problem trying to go sustainable <laughs> um, not really because everything is the internet Google you Google everything right so everything's at, at the uh, touch of your your fingerprints um, I remember like growing up as a kid before the internet was even around like doing school projects where we had to look up things and if it wasn't in the encyclopedia set that my mom bought from a door-to-door -door salesman it's like where are you finding it right but now with with Google with the internet it's so much so easy to find like I said like we found out the the information about bamboo really really quickly and back in the day that would have been next to impossible you know without going through other avenues of like finding people that work with bamboo and like finding out how to contact and speaking to them if you know now it's just you get on your computer and you, it's, it's right there thank god for the internet right. <laughs> very cool <laughs> i don't know i don't know how we did things back in the day without the internet but we got through it and now now it's it's just so much easier we worked in the healthcare field, took a Hippocratic Oath not to do harm to, to anybody. Um, and that not includes our patients, but just every, every, everybody we meet on an everyday basis, or if we can prevent you know, suffering around the world, whether it's humans or animals, that's definitely something that, that we're, we're definitely looking to do. Lastly, I talked to a foreigner who sources for companies in Central America. I am Felipe, I'm from Mexico. 
we came to the expo to, to find some stuff for, for the different companies we work, but specifically uh, this brand uh, calls because of the sustainability and for the all the water things you have, because we in Sonora, where we work, we have beach, so we have a lot of water-related activities in the beach. And it's very cool that it's sustainable, man. It's it's because it's a need, you know, the clothing and everything. And but at the same time, it's it's harmful to the planet in the scale we're doing it right now. You know, we actually came to learn about this, you know, because it's only a thought we had. Like we should uh, aim this way, you know, but we don't really know the specific of the numbers and the and the real impact. You know that there is so, so it's good to talk to companies and people like you, to like guide us and tell us that 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 shirt you showed me that it's made of or of water plastic bottles. That's that kind of stuff is really good to know, and we came with several objectives to this expo, and one of them is to learn more about this stuff. Cool. Very cool. Do you find it difficult to get access to sustainable products or information? Like, what's what's uh, most difficult? In Mexico, in the country we live in, work, yeah, it's it's hard. Because uh, in developing countries, you know, the needs are. We don't have the the, the time to and, and the, to think about even sustainability. People are thinking about surviving and maybe get their basic needs covered. So it's it's a uh, in Mexico and countries like that. I think it's kind of a luxury, but I think it's sweet, switching to to make to be more accessible. So so we have like uh, more of that in, in, in right over there. Right. So you would say like the the cost kind of acts as a barrier sometimes for yeah. accessibility to the yeah, industry. Yeah, yeah. Of course. Sure. Yeah. Do you have any big questions about sustainability? I was talking to, to Nina, I'm his assistant. We drove from Mexico and we have like a lot of hours to think. And I was thinking like, didn't we, don't we have like enough clothes <laughs> in the world? Right. Can we just recycle the ones that we're not using and make new ones or something? Because uh, they were talking about this uh, cotton shortage. There is like been in the world for the last years so I was like don't we have like enough cotton clothes to get the cotton out of it but I don't understand the like the process but that's a but that's a big question for me don't, can what can we do to recycle more because uh, the way we've been doing it since the last I don't know hundred years it's it's not only harming the planet but there is not enough resources After returning to our hotel room at the end of the day, I had a final conversation with Holly about the things we'd heard and the questions we'd been asked. Plus, after asking customers about sustainability all day, it only felt fair to ask her the same thing. Sustainability is a really multifaceted conversation, right? It's about different things to different people. I think to me the essence of it is trying to do the right thing and trying to do better tomorrow than we did today and trying to do better today than we did yesterday. And I think that's one of the things that really makes it an engaging subject 
because there's no finish line. There's not even necessarily any specific right and wrong answers. It's about making better choices, better choices with our products, better choices with our manufacturing, better choices about how we treat people, to create products that are healthier for everyone involved, the planet, people, and our futures. So I think a couple things we got asked today was if the factory is uh, fair trade certified. So is Direct-to-Source fair trade certified? Direct-to-Source is not fair trade certified. Fair trade is, is a certification that was actually originally created for farmers, right? And it's a really cool certification. And there are some factories that are fair trade certified. One of the things that we've been really careful about at Direct-to-Source is making sure we're not hiring anybody that's too young to be hired. Child labor is a global issue in this industry still. And we don't hire anybody that's less than 18. Now, we could legally hire 16-year-olds in the factory, but we don't. We made a choice to set the legal working age at 18. So we knew we were hiring adults, even though some of them are young adults. And so Fairtrade has a program that really um, promotes apprenticeships of young people into various industries. It's a very cool program. We just felt in our industry with the stigma of child labor that that was not the right approach for us. So in place of Fairtrade, what are you working on certification-wise? Is the factory certified for anything? So we are working on a lot of things. Um, we had started the process to get our RAP certification, and then COVID happened. And so they're not sending out inspectors. Um, we had gone to RAP when we were building our new facility and talked with them about what we needed to do from a building standpoint to be able to be certified. And they were super great and worked with us. And so we built our building with those codes to be able to be RAP certified in terms of the correct amount of space, the correct amount of lighting, the correct utility setups for safety, um, the fire extinguishers, fire escapes, plenty of space um, in the building, the good airflow, enough bathrooms, all of those different aspects. We also apply those principles from RAP and from other organizations in terms of fair treatment of workers and making sure that things aren't getting transported illegally. So our shipments always go locked. We have locked containers that they go in before they go into a truck and and then the boat to be shipped. So we're following a lot of those practices. Our goal is to be RAP certified. That will happen eventually when, when inspections start happening again. Um, in the meantime, we're pursuing another certification, an SA 8000 certification, which is only looking at the social aspects of the business. And we're doing this because a particular customer wanted that certification, asked us if we'd be willing to get it. They're actually paying for us to get that certification. And so our answer was, of course, yes, no problem. So um, that's in process right now. And then the mill partners and the yarn partners and other companies we work with have various certifications from GOTS to a Recycled Standard to uh, Okiotex to Blue Sign. And so we are working with organizations that have certifications that have the ability to get those certifications. The certifications are great and they're really important to verify that people are doing the right thing, but certifications are really expensive. And so for us as an organization to say, we would want to get every certification, which would be really cool to do, I have to admit, 
but we'd probably like have to double our prices because they are so expensive and there's so many different ones. So companies really have to be choosy and really it tends to be customer driven in this business, right? You're working with customer XYZ and they want you to use this certifying body. And so that's what you do. And, and that's kind of what we're faced with in reality in terms of balancing doing the right thing getting a certification, and how do we pay for that? Therefore, those charges get passed on to our customers ultimately. And so like anything, when we talk about sustainability, it's a balancing act of what's most important, what can we do today, what do we want to do tomorrow, and regardless of the certification, regardless of the inspection, doing the right thing every day that we can be super transparent about. So it's not just a story. It's not just lip service. It's allowing people to come in and see. So all of those things come into play and they're all really important. Well, we were talking about the price earlier today and we were talking about sustainable packaging for garments. So could you describe like the normal packaging that maybe the garments are shipped in? What's that look like? So in the industry, the standard packaging is every garment is individually poly bagged. And poly bag is like a plastic Yeah, like wrap. the plastic bag. Um, and it's kind of the way we've been operating for a really long time. And and we as a company, our standard packaging is we don't use individually poly bags, right? A lot of our customers, we will ship one plastic bag inside the carton to keep everything safe, keep it dry, keep it protected while it's in transit, but we're not poly bagging every single garment. And that worked great for some brands, and it doesn't work so good for some others because particularly if they're shipping direct to consumer, then they have to have those garments individually packaged. And so it's an interesting kind of thing to look at. Um, We're starting to have some compostable bags, which is cool. But if we use too much compostability, then the garments, if they're around for very long and aren't moving very quickly, then those bags can start to break down. Or if it's humid, they can get sticky, which is going to ruin the garment. So that's not a good choice. You also have to know how to, what to do with them, right? The consumer doesn't necessarily easily know if it's compostable or they have to put it in the trash or they can recycle it. Paper bag mailers and things like that are a good option. So packaging is definitely a place that brands can really look at how are they doing it, what are they doing, where are they sending things, where is it going? But the right answer for any brand might be a little different. Like if you're selling to a retailer, your solution might be one thing. If you're direct to a consumer, it might be another. If you're a brand that blows through your inventory super quickly, maybe a higher compostable content is a good choice. If you're a brand that is not blowing through their inventory and might have it for some period of time, yours might be a different answer. So packaging is a really complex question. We didn't get on recording the conversation about ocean plastics that we had with Bryce. Ocean plastics is a big conversation right now. And ocean plastics is an interesting conversation because what we really mean, I mean, everybody thinks when you say it, it's like, oh, we're going to go get the great Pacific garbage patch of plastics floating in the ocean and we're going to recycle that into clothes. It'd be really cool, but we're not. Um, If you think about the sun and the salt and all of those processes naturally that are happening to the plastic, they're really breaking it down. 
And that means that the plastics we pull actually out of the oceans are typically too degraded to make apparel with, right? Apparel still needs qualities of movement, um, still needs other qualities, and those ocean plastics are typically too degraded. Now, they can do other stuff with them, right? Like there was some company I read about who is pulling some ocean plastics in there, putting them with other composites and turning them into park benches and stuff like that. Super cool. But to say we're making apparel out of ocean plastics really isn't true. What we're talking about when we say that for apparel is ocean-bound plastics, and that's actually the term you'll hear if you really listen to it. And so that is plastics that, if they were not caught in the recycling process, are more apt to end up in our oceans and waterways. Really simple, simplistic, I'm oversimplifying this, but this is a good way to look at it. If I'm in Colorado, which is where our offices are, I'm pretty far from the ocean. If I throw a plastic bottle out in Colorado, it's probably not going to end up in the ocean, right? It's going to end up in a landfill. It could end up in our lakes or rivers, which is terrible. But it's not going to end up in the ocean. If I am in Miami Beach and I throw a plastic bottle out, it has a high probability of ending up in the ocean because that's where I am. And so when we're talking about ocean-bound plastics, they are pulling recycling plastic from areas that have close proximity to the ocean and they have much higher probability of ending up in the ocean if we were not to capture them in the recycling process. So from Felipe today, he was wondering if it's possible to recycle because we've got all these garments out there, you know, millions and millions of cotton t-shirts, other stuff that people aren't using, right? Just so many clothes in the world. And he was curious if there's a way to recycle those things. It's another good question. And this is a huge topic of conversation in the industry right now. And we kind of call it closed loop. And the answer is sometimes yes, sometimes no. So if we're talking about a pure polyester or a pure nylon garment, there is some closed-loop recycling we can do. So let's talk about, I happen to know there's a company that's working with Unify, and this company makes graduation gowns, right? And it's 100% polyester, and they're able to break down the gown after it's used, pull the zipper out, pull any extra trims out. They've used polyester thread, which is kind of standard for that product. And then they can because you have 100% polyester, and they can easily melt that garment down and recycle it into recycled polyester and make a new garment out of it. There's some new technologies out there when we're talking about 100% cotton now that they're able to do some significant, really cool stuff with the recycling of that cotton. That's still pretty new and pretty pretty early in the stages, but some very exciting things are happening on that front. What we can't do currently is recycle a blended fiber garment. So if you have a poly cotton t-shirt, or if you have a poly spandex garment, or a nylon spandex garment, we currently don't have the scientific ability to break those fibers apart, recycle them individually, and turn them into something new. What we can do is recycle them into something else. For example, and this is something that's on our long-term plans, um, it's very expensive, it takes a lot of planning, but we're still working towards it, is taking cutting scraps of any fiber, or any blend of fibers, any second quality garments, and we could even take old used garments into this process, taking those and shredding them down into fiber shreds, and then you can mat those together, and we can use those for blankets or sleeping mats. And our plan is to partner with uh, a couple of nonprofits that we've been talking to to provide those for people in need. So there are options like that for end-of-life recycling for garments versus putting them in a landfill. 
But um, the circular loop is an interesting thing, and it's definitely something that's all the topic of conversation, and scientists are working on it. So it's an exciting frontier for the industry, for sure. That'll be something to revisit if we can find someone to talk to about it. Absolutely. I think that's the end of day one. Is there anything you're looking forward to tomorrow? Any hopes? Interested to see what other conversations we have. It's been super cool meeting with people and hearing what sustainability means to their brands and excited to talk to more tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the first episode of Green Book Conversations. I'm hoping the series will give good leads for startup brands, inform consumers, and provide a new avenue to talk about apparel and sustainability. The next episode is planned to release next Monday, February 28th, and will continue to follow our experience at Sourcing at Magic. You can expect more athletic apparel, hemp fiber, and sustainable, bleach-safe aprons. Green Book Conversations is powered by Direct2Source. You can find a link to their website in the description. I'm Dylan Gibson, and thanks again for tuning in. Thank you.